It's showtime. Don't say it. Please, don't say it. No, I have to say it, Mitch. Showtime. Showtime! It's showtime, everybody! Showtime! Well, another year has come and gone on the awards front. We bring you another episode of the Showtime Movie Podcast. And, of course, I am show. And, yeah, the Oscars are in the books. We are uh, finally... I can't believe we're actually breaking down the reaction to the 93rd Academy Awards because, boy, it was a, it was a doozy. It was a doozy, right? I mean, we did the predictions last time out. Uh, we'll, we'll just say right off the hop, I was 16 of 23. Okay, there were 23, uh, 23 categories. I got 16 of them right. Um, and I freely admit the ones that completely torpedoed it, the doc short subject and the live action short subject because, I mean... What are you gonna do, right? I mean, I don't really. I, to be fair, I don't really care about the about the numbers anymore. It's just that this year was crazy. It was crazy. I gotta say. And uh, you know what? Let's start in in chronological order by simply saying, I think for the most part, even though this year's Oscars felt more like an awards dinner instead of a grand awards show, I guess that is partly because of the the circumstances. They had the the what the dinner kind of in a in a refurbished train station, frankly, which was also called Union Station, which made me think of here in Toronto, because I live very close to Union Station here in Toronto, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yes, it, it felt more like a dinner, like a fancy uh, dinner at your, your high school or your university than it did feel like the, the glitz and glam of the biggest uh, award show on the planet for any industry, right? So that was, that was a kind of a strange aspect to it, but I, it did feel intimate, and I think by and large... They nailed the idea and the aesthetic of the smaller, more intimate ceremony, okay? I think that's definitely a positive. Um, I think ultimately, though, this show suffered from not having a host, right? Because there were some really memorable speeches. I mean, we can point out a whole bunch of them, but I think uh, Daniel Kaluuya winning for Best Supporting Actor... Uh, Ye Jun Yoon winning for Best Supporting Actress, right? Uh, John Batiste alongside Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross winning for Best Original Score. And uh, Thomas Vinterberg winning for uh, Best International Feature Film, right, for another round. And uh, also, did you know that, by the way, that uh, Vinterberg technically is not an Oscar winner because another round is actually awarded to the country it represents, not to the actual filmmaker? So he is speaking on behalf of the... The movie that won, even though it's not to him, it's weird. Anyways, whatever. Vinterberg gave a very emotional speech about his daughter, who passed away certainly before the movie, and uh, Batiste talking about like the about you know the music of the soul and all that kind of stuff. It was very fascinating, I gotta say. But not no host, I think, meant that a lot of the big moments at these Oscars suffered. And and what I mean by that is, for example, Daniel Kaluuya in his acceptance speech said, well, I'll just play a little bit for you right now. You've got to celebrate life, man. We're breathing, we're walking. It's incredible. It's incredible. Like, it's incredible. My mom met my dad. They had sex. It's amazing. Like, do you understand? I'm here. You know what I mean? So, I'm so happy to be alive. I gotta say, look, that was, A, a very funny moment. Very, very funny moment. Um, but, B, like, it's, it's crazy to think that, like, I mean, who, who was the last host of the Oscars? Was it Jimmy Kimmel? I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. Even if it was Jimmy friggin' Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel would have had some kind of funny little quip, right? If it was Ricky Gervais, he would have talked about Daniel Kaluuya's parents having sex a million times, right? Billy Crystal, Bob Hope. I mean, obviously, I was too young to watch Bob Hope. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just not having a host 
I think does take away, even though this is what the third year in a row without a host. And I think it's just you're it's that much lesser for it. And maybe it would have been even better to have a host in a in a, again, I used the word intimate a couple times in such an intimate setting. So anyways, there you go. Um I think that's I don't I know, we don't really have to talk too much about the actual ceremony itself. Um but there were some of the things that I think felt kind of odd, right? I mean, we'll get to the actual Oscar winners in a second, but I mean, it was just kind of odd. Like, like the In Memoriam, for example, felt borderline disrespectful because they flashed through it so quickly you barely had time to read the names. I mean, I actually have no problem with the, the song choice they used. I think they used the Stevie Wonder song. And it was upbeat. It felt more like a celebration of life, which is fine with me. I have no problem with that inherently. But the song almost felt like it was too short. And so they made the little slides of all the people who had passed away, like flashing over the screen in like half a second. Like I, I watched, I did not take my eyeballs off the in memoriam segment and it still flashed by so quickly. I barely had time to read. I would say more than half the names. And I think that frankly in a year, especially with COVID, I almost be like the opposite should happen, right? You should be taking more time to, you know, honor these people who passed away in, like, one of the craziest years in, like, living memory, right? Anyways, uh, the in-memoriam thing was really weird. There were some other aspects as well, like the whole weird Glenn Close thing and the butt and the memeable moment really just felt like a manufactured moment to, to create some kind of, like, like the same kind of uh, moment on par with the, uh, the Ellen DeGeneres selfie, right, from the Oscars from a number of years ago or whatever, right? But, look, that's neither here nor there. We got to talk about the way this ended. Okay, and uh, I guess if you're keeping track, Nomadland did win Best Picture, um, unfortunately. I don't think it deserved it, but either way, Nomadland as the heavy favorite, no upset there. Um, I guess we kind of talked about the Best Actress and how any of Viola Davis, Frances McDormand, or Carrie Mulligan could have won. Frankly, Andra Day, too. Unfortunately, Vanessa Kirby was the only one who was not in contention to win this award, really, at any point. Uh, But uh, Frances McDormand did walk away with the uh, Best Actress Award. And then we've got to the Best Actor Award. And you guys know, if you listened to the predictions episode, and I even I tweeted it out as well, but uh, I had picked Anthony Hopkins over the heavy favorite Chadwick Boseman. And so here's the thing. A weird part about these Oscars tonight is that they did a lot of the awards in a vastly different order than we're used to, right? So I think I want to say the first two evenings, uh, the first two awards of the evening were the two screenplay awards. And as a quick side note, I accidentally bet two separate times on the father to win Best Adapted Screenplay. I guess I must have forgotten, and I just I didn't realize I'd already done it. And so, ah, this is good value. And I bet twice on like the, on two days, I think like two consecutive days. And uh, you know what? Because the father did actually win Best Adapted Screenplay, I won both bets. Hey, how about that, right? I actually made more money, and it's completely because I'm an idiot. But <laughs> they did the Screenplay Awards first, and then I want to say they did... One of the, uh, maybe they did Best Supporting Actor, right? And then I think they did Best Director pretty soon after. Maybe not like right after, but relatively soon after they did Best Director. And Chloe Zhao won Best Director for Nomadland, as you might expect. That's probably, the one, like I said before, one of the most, one of the mortal locks of the ceremony was her winning that award. And all I could think of was, it almost, when Nomadland won Best Picture, it had been so long since Chloe Zhao won her Oscar for Best Director, it almost seemed like it wasn't... You couldn't really celebrate it. I mean, she's the second woman in the history of the Oscars to win Best Director, and it was kind of, like, brushed aside. It was it was it felt kind of inappropriate, honestly. And, and here's the other thing. Best Director was done so early on, because, of course, if you guys remember, 
usually it goes what the the, the supporting actor awards, supporting actress awards are handed out relatively early on over the past couple of years. Then, but and the la- the last number of awards are usually the two screenplay awards, the two acting awards, the best director, and then best picture. Right? We always end on best picture. Well, that's not the case this year, as the Academy Awards, the last three Oscars in order were Best Picture, followed by Best Actress, followed by Best Actor. And, look, No Man Land was a heavy favorite, so perhaps they felt that because it was such a heavy favorite, it, it would have been, there wouldn't have been enough drama being manufactured if the night ended on an award everyone knew Nomadland was going to win. Maybe that's the reason, okay? But because that is what happened, it really felt like, then that means they're they're trying to end the evening on a poignant note by having it end with Chadwick Boseman, the late Chadwick Boseman, win an Oscar and have it end on an emotional, kind of triumphant note for this young late man's career, and 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 you know you kind of you can you can walk off into the evening with your friends and they can all go to their parties talking about Chadwick Boseman and how he won his Oscar, right? So the sequence sequence of events was that Best Picture won Nomadland. Um, Chloe Zhao offered the microphone to uh, Francis McDormand, who oddly did not thank Chloe Zhao, and then she kind of w- gave a little wolf howl. I'm not exactly sure what the uh, significance of that. Something apparently could be related to someone who passed away, who worked in the movie, whose nickname was Wolf, or something like that. Either way, she gave a wolf howl. People seem to like that. Then uh, Best Actress was handed out, and it was handed to Francis McDormand, and she gave like, maybe like a 30-second acceptance speech. Again, she did not thank Chloe Zhao, so I thinks there is something there. But uh, obviously, hey, you, neither you nor I are are, are are versed enough in whatever the hell is going on there. But I thought that was a side interesting note. But either way, Frances McDormand takes home the Oscar for uh, presented to her by Renee Zellweger, if you remember, winning Judy last year. So uh, she gets her Oscar. She walks off stage. Joaquin Phoenix comes out, of course, having won for Joker last year, and he's coming out to present the Oscar for Best Actor. So he does a little blurbs, he does a little his little speech, and then he says, okay, well, you know, he, you know, he's a weird guy, so he didn't really look like he wanted to be there. So he announces the, uh, you know, and the Oscar goes to Anthony Hopkins for The Father. And in the chaos of the moment, everyone, the camera's panning to the crowd, everyone's like, holy crap, what? Anthony Hopkins? Anthony Hopkins? And because he was not there, Anthony Hopkins, I mean, look, the man is 83 years old, the oldest person to ever win an Oscar. Um, So, hey, congratulations to Anthony Hopkins. I was very pleased because I really wanted him to win. So I absolutely was happy about it. But then you... He, because he, I mean, again, the man's 83, and it was this is already 11.30 p.m. Eastern, which means, what, it's like 4.30 a.m., I don't know, whatever the time zone is in England. Like, Anthony Hopkins, his ass is asleep, right? You know his 83-year-old butt is asleep in bed, and he's probably going to wake up in a little while to think, hey, what a nice surprise, I won the Oscar. And hey, I'm not going to not blame him because he's 83 years old, and, and I mean, you know, certainly uh, people younger than that go to bed far earlier. Um well, because he wasn't there, it was just a picture of him, and then Joaquin Phoenix just says, the Academy will accept this award on his behalf. And then it cuts to Questlove saying, thanks for coming, and then it ends. I, I, I swear to God, it was, like, it was like the energy from the last 30 minutes of the Oscars was like something out of the Twilight Zone. I gotta say, like, there was that weirdo, like I said, I mentioned the Glenn Close debut thing where she like clear, a clearly staged a moment where she sang and and and, and record, recounted her knowledge of some some song that was nominated for an Oscar and it was clearly like I said clearly staged to create some memeable moment with Glenn Close um and then right after that they had the the in memoriam thing and it's just 
the entire evening felt a little off because whenever they talked about the acting nominees, there were no clips. There were no clips of the actors, which felt kind of disorienting. They did have some fun little factoids about each nominee, which was fun for a little bit. But then it's like, especially when it comes to the acting things, like you want to see the performances for which they were nominated, right? That's kind of the whole point. You want to see this and they don't show you. And that really, I think, bothered me a lot. And then, and not maybe not so much as for other ones, because I mean, like, you know, I, I don't know how many people are expected to have seen like the documentaries and, and hey, look, they did actually show clips from the documentaries, probably knowing that a lot of people hadn't seen it, but it was just weird that they make the choice for that and for like the best animated feature, for example, showing clips from those movies, but not showing clips from like Daniel Kaluuya's triumphant I am a revolutionary, right, speech from Judas and the Black Messiah or any any other of the nominees. It's just, it felt, it was an odd decision. I don't know if that was Steven Soderbergh's decision. I don't know if that was the producer's decision, ABC's decision, whatever. Either way, no clips kind of had a, gave the whole ceremony a weird vibe. And then they had that weird game where it almost felt like they forgot to go to commercial. Like, it almost felt like it was a game that was solely meant for the people in that room and not for the people at home, because it just felt like it was so cringy, basically. I mean, I use the word game loosely, because it was clearly, like I said, manufactured. And then they had the in-memoriam thing, where they flew through it, and then they had Best Picture, and then Best Actress with a strange acceptance, with no acceptance speech, basically, by Frances McDormand, and then no acceptance speech from Best Actor Anthony Hopkins. And then the, I mentioned at the beginning of all this, my little Oscars rant, I mentioned there was no host. So then, like I said, goes back to Questlove, and then it just ends. And I think that just illustrates two things. It illustrates that, A, you need a host. You absolutely need a host for these kinds of situations. I guess three things. Because it also illustrates that they clearly didn't know who won. You know, people were like, oh, well, it's leading up to a win for Chadwick. Like, best picture being third, best actress being second, and best actor being last basically means it's guaranteed that Chadwick Boseman has won the Oscar. And I think this proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that they didn't know because they otherwise would not have done that because it was an absolute debacle. And I think that, lastly, the third thing is simply that this is why you leave Best Picture for the end. Because at the end of the day, the Oscars are a celebration of movies, right? Best Picture is, if you want to boil it down, you're giving an award to the best movie at the award show for movies. And you're not going to get, you're not going to end your your movie award show by giving an award to the best movie that seems so weird like it's it, it's it is it's almost like antithetical antithetical to the entire the entire process i may have butchered that word i, I completely apologize that's why i said it twice because i realized that i've never actually said that word out loud i've only ever written it down uh, but either way it just it goes it's contrary to everything that it is about right like i am all for shaking things up and trying new things, and tradition be damned, because I have long said for a lot of different things, not just for movies, obviously, but for any anything in life, if your only reason for keeping something the way it has been is that this is the way it's always been, that's a bad reason. You need a better reason than that, okay? But the reason the Oscars end on Best Picture is because, again, you are giving an award to the best movie of the year, period. I... I did not care for Nomadland. I did not really like Nomadland. I don't really think it was really a movie. The people who say it's about compassion and and kindness and it has soul and see it down the road, that's bull, okay? I'm sorry. It was not that good. And I frankly, I do not think it will be remembered very fondly, especially when you can compare it to a far better movie in Minari or Judas and the Black Messiah 
or uh, or Sound of Metal or The Father or any of those other movies, frankly. Okay, that's my opinion. Maybe you disagree because I know a lot of it resonated with a lot of people clearly enough to have it win Best Picture. So, look, I get it. It was not a movie for me, okay? I did not get the spiritual experience that Quentin talked about <laughs> when we did the uh, predictions last time. But either way, it doesn't matter. That's the movie that they picked. That's the, that's the last award of the evening to not end the most triumphant Oscars in the pandemic and all the crazy crap that's gone on in the last 18 months or whatever to not end it on the best movie is just an astonishingly short-sighted, stupid decision. And I gotta say, it it kind of put a damper on it because because the la- two of the last three Oscars went to Nomadland. I kind of thought to myself, I tweeted this. I, th- I said to myself, you know what? Just give it to just give Chavik the Oscar. Let's call it a night. Let's just call it a night. Give him the Oscar. I'm gonna go to bed in in like 15 minutes. And then Anthony Hopkins won, and all hell broke loose on film Twitter. Okay, I mean, I don't really you know consider myself to be. Uh, a big part of film Twitter, to be completely honest. And frankly, I unfollowed a bunch of people because, like, people are like, oh, I predicted Nomadland to win when it premiered at TIFF back in September. Yeah, no shit. Everyone predicted that movie to win. It has literally been the front runner all year. So for people to, to come out and say, well, Nomadland, hashtag I predicted it, it's going to win. Yeah, again, no shit. Everyone predicted it. Don't pat yourself on the back too hard. You might bruise yourself, okay? Like, come on. That's, that, that is not at all in any way some kind of hot take all right so people who are gosh i i legitimately had to unfollow some of the bigger insiders on twitter because the 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 self-aggrandizement of that was just absolutely astonishing so but you know what like i said it was it it kind of was all made up for by anthony hopkins winning and not just because i was right but because i actually put some uh shekels some some human dollars some canadian dollars on uh anthony hopkins winning and I ended uh, my night a couple hundred dollars richer. So, uh, hey, not going to complain. Not going to complain whatsoever. I mean, it was also aided by the fact that, like I said, I bet on The Father twice to win a Best Adapted Screenplay. And thankfully, my stupidity paid off. Let's quickly go over uh, some of the other winners as well. And again, if you hear the paper rustling, it's because I'm picking up my uh, ballot here, my 16 for 23 ballot. And actually, you know what? For uh, for posterity's sake, the ones I got wrong are as follows. Okay, I uh, I picked The Letter Room for a live-action short film. The winner was Two Distant Strangers. I picked a docu- for documentary short subject. I picked A Concerto is a Conversation, and uh, that was actually won by Colette. And I will say really quickly, I want to say that movie was won by... Gosh, I, now I'm blanking on the guy's name, but it was he, he was the brother of Michael Giacchino, like Oscar-winning composer Michael Giacchino, and he made his comment when he uh, went up to accept the Oscar. He was like, hey, I hope the actors in the audience don't uh, mind this too much because uh, and he pulls a speech out of his pocket as he's saying this, and he goes, yeah, I hope the uh, actors in the audience don't mind too much because I'm uh, there, there are other branches of the Academy as well. And I think he meant it for it to come off as a joke, but it kind of came across as kind of petty, I don't know. It was weird. I, I thought it was kind of strange, considering you're accepting. You know, I mean, I, again, all Oscars should be are, are weigh the same amount of gold. I'm sure, but it's just I don't know. Like, I, it's kind of like a weird place to die on that hill, I suppose. Right? But anyways, uh, so I got that one wrong as well. Doc short subject and live action short film. Um, I I picked the trial of the Chicago Seven for film editing, and that did go to Sound of Metal. And I will give kudos to Quentin because he did say that uh, very often the Sound Awards, uh, now one award, and the Film Editing Award often go to the same movie. And the Sound of Metal did win. I was very pleased. I, I'm happy to have been wrong about that. 
Uh, I also picked a Speak Now from One Night in Miami from the, the Leslie Odom Jr. song from One Night in Miami. And uh, the winner by her, uh, H.E.R. or her, uh, um, was Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah. A very, a very, very light song. I mean, maybe the subject matter was not light whatsoever, but the actual music felt very like light and jazzy. And maybe that was part of it, right? And I believe it was the credit song that played in Judas and the Black Messiah. But either way, it was a very good song. You should listen to it if you haven't. Um, very good. Uh, cinematography ended up going to uh, Mank. I picked Nomadland. So uh, Mank picking up, picking up two uh, Oscars on the on the evening, right? Uh, I was correct on the production design and wrong on cinematography, but two Oscars for Mank. Actually, I believe, means that uh, Mank has more Oscars than Citizen Kane does which uh, is the movie that Mank is about, right? So to a degree, right? So that's kind of funny. Funny how that works, right? Um, I was incorrect on actress in a leading role, and I picked Carrie Mulligan, and uh, like I mentioned, Frances McDormand won. And I mean, look, that was that was probably the biggest toss-up, at least. I don't think any of these people were upsets, but again, biggest toss-up with Viola Davis, Carrie Mulligan, Frances McDormand, and I guess to a lesser degree, Andre Day, all being potential winners in that category. So there you go, uh, Frances McDormand. Now I believe with three Oscar statues... She is the second most decorated actress in the history of the Academy. Behind, I want to say, Catherine Hepburn, which is pretty crazy, right? So that is pretty wild. And, of course, I, um, I, even though I knew Nomadland was going to win, I couldn't bring myself to actually check it off on the ballots, and I did pick Trial of the Chicago 7. To my eternal shame, because of all of the Best Picture nominees, the Trial of the Chicago 7 came home with zero Oscars. No Oscar for Aaron Sorkin. Sasha Baron Cohen, or any of the million other actors who were in that movie, unfortunately, because you guys heard on the last couple episodes, I really liked that movie, right? But no Oscars for Child of Chicago 7. And a quick recap of all of the best pictures. Uh, the Father won two Oscars. Uh, it won uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, and of course, Actor in a Leading Role for Anthony Hopkins. Judas and the Black Messiah won two as well. Uh, best Original Song. And as I mentioned, uh, Actor in a Supporting Role with Daniel Kaluuya. You heard this, the little bit from his speech. Mank won two as well. I mentioned uh, cinematography and production design. Minari only came away with one, but it was for acting. Uh, Ye Jun Yoong uh, for Minari, and she had an absolutely delightful speech. I mean, how badass of a woman do you have to be to get up in front of the in front of the entire academy, in front of the mi- millions of people watching worldwide, and flirt with Brad Pitt like right away? What a badass! That woman is an instant legend in my book for doing that, and also for saying. Like, this is what, this is, you know, talking to her kids at home and saying, this is the result of mommy working hard. I think that's absolutely wonderful. I think she had my favorite speech of the night. She was great. And she is a big part, if not the main part, of why Minari is so fantastic. Um, I, I will say, though, on a, on a kind of a side note, sad that Minari didn't win more Oscars. I mean, I'm sad that, it, apart from acting, it didn't win any other Oscars. What a bummer, right? I, I, that was my personal pick. If I had to, again, if I had to hand my Best Picture nominee to someone, I'd hand it to, the, to Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. He, that, was, that, movie, that movie is going to be looked at far more favorably, I bet, in years to come. But yeah, there you go. Minari with one. No Man Land with three, as we mentioned. Frances McDormand um, for Best Actress, uh, Best Directing for Chloe Zhao, and, of course, Best Picture. Uh, Promising Young Woman did come home with an Oscar. It won Best Original Screenplay, going to Emerald Fennel. So good for her, right? An absolutely terrific movie. And Sound of Metal won two. I mentioned film editing and Best Original Sound, right? I think, you know what? I think if there was... If, if there was... Uh, a bracket buster, right? If there was one Oscar that prevented people from getting the coveted 23 out of 23, 
I'm going to guess that it was Doc's short subject, right? The shorts always screw people, obviously, um, because, I mean, unfortunately, not everyone watches them. I mean, I certainly didn't. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> but Colette winning for Doc's short subject, I'm convinced, is the is the thing that busted people's brackets, right? Like, it's it's not it's not Anthony Hopkins winning. It's not Sound of Metal in film editing. It's not Mank in cinematography. It's it, I'm convinced. It's not it's not original song. It is a uh, doc short subject. I, I mean, there's no way to quantify that. There's no way to really like back my back any of that up with statistics. But I do think that is what uh, would have busted anyone's brackets. But yeah, it's been a it was a wild it was a wild year. I gotta say, wild year from beginning to end. I am pleased I managed to watch all of the best picture nominees. Um, you know, it, there were some other small things as well from the Oscar ceremony. Like uh, not a lot of present, not as many presenters, but Harrison Ford giving a kind of a grump factor in describing the film editing notes he got from Blade Runner. Whether they were true or not, I thought it was great. Um, Zendaya went wearing, I think, like $6 million worth of diamonds. You know, I'm not big on the red carpet stuff, but like $6 million worth of diamonds. My goodness. Um, plus, that girl is probably going to be winning an Oscar in the very near future. And also, you know what? Riz Ahmed being effortlessly charismatic. That guy, like, I've always really liked him, but now I love him. He is just, he, may, he just seems so cool. He's cool. Daniel Kaluuya also seems cool, but like in a kind of like a more artsy, weird way. Whereas Riz Ahmed reminds me of like my cool cousin, and I don't. I, and I know maybe it's because I'm brown, and I, maybe maybe that's like an inherent bias there. I freely admit that's entirely possible. But Riz Ahmed is just like I said, effortlessly, effortlessly charismatic. That guy. I hope that guy's star rises far. Him and Dev Patel. I want to see them in a movie together. You know, if I can make an Oscar uh, movie myself. I would make a movie where the two of them are cowboys, okay? This is my Oscar pitch for when I win Best Director, okay? Just so you guys know, you heard it here first. They're cowboys, and they go... It's kind of like the good, the bad, and the weird, if you remember that movie, but with brown people, all brown people, and the two protagonists are Dev Patel and Riz Ahmed, right? And we'll get we'll get someone else in there as the bad guy. I don't know who yet, but it has to be a bad Maybe Shah Rukh Khan can be the bad guy. I don't know. Um, but... Uh, either way, the Oscars this year, they were weird. It was weird, and it ended in a in a chaotic way not seen since La La Land and Moonlight. Okay, And I think people were bashing it. I bashed it a little bit, but you know what? It's more fun this way. It is absolutely more fun this way. And uh, my next, I told Quentin this in the immediate aftermath, my next goal, I mean, I'm gonna, we're going to be talking about Mortal Kombat on the podcast. We're going to be talking about nobody on the podcast. We're going to be talking about that Michael B. Jordan for Amazon Prime. I want to say it's called Without Remorse. We're doing it. Maybe we'll do a bit of a, an action theme on the coming episodes. We'll do some video game discussions on the coming episodes. We'll see what happens for the blockbusters because we're out of award season now. Oh, boy. But my next goal, as soon as I am vaccinated, I am getting my butt in a movie theater. I mean, I don't know when it's going to happen. I, I just, it's going to, but it will happen before the end of 2021. That I promise you. And uh, with that, you can finally close the books on uh, on just another crazy year. You know, I hope you all managed to enjoy the Oscars yourselves. I hope you managed to, uh, you know, I hope if Nomadland was your favorite, I hope you enjoyed it winning. If uh, you really loved Anthony Hopkins, I hope you enjoyed that. If you are sad about Chadwick Boseman not winning, I'm sorry because he did give a very good performance. But either way, I hope if you're listening to this, you found something you liked about not only the Oscars, but about movies in the last 18 months. Because it's been a tough year, and I gotta say, 
I probably would be a lot crazier. I'm a pretty crazy person already, like in you know, in like the woo way, you know. Right? But uh, I would I would be much crazier if not for the movies. I love watching movies. There's there's perhaps beyond perhaps other than sex and sleep, and I don't get much of either of those lately. <laughs> uh, movies are what make me happy. And if you're listening to this podcast, it probably makes you happy too. So, uh, again, I hope you all enjoyed the past however many months it's been to get to this point with the Oscars. And now we can finally close the books and look ahead to the next season. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this recap of the Oscars, the 93rd Academy Awards. Gosh, can you believe it? Uh, We'll let you be played out by the latest winner of Best Original Song, Fight For You, from Judas and the Black Messiah. But until the next episode of the Showtime Movie Podcast, have a great night.